Hello, and welcome to episode 53 of the 21 Handshake Marketing Podcast. If you are new to listening, welcome. Our podcast covers social media news and digital marketing trends for anyone who is involved in business, whether you are B2B or B2C, and whether you're on the marketing or the sales team, we go over tips, trends, and then leave you with some actionable items to apply or think about. First off, if you're new, I'm Sarah, account manager here at 21 Handshake. And I'm Ashley, also an account manager. My name is Alex. I am in charge of visual content. Today, we will also be joined by Gino Whitaker as our guest interview. Gino is the owner of Pixlr Interactive Group, and we work with him exclusively on our website design projects. We're going to pick his brain on questions that you should ask your next website developer. And these are from frequently asked questions that we often get from our clients. So, but first, we are going to dive into our news segment and talk about what's been taking place in the last week in digital and social media marketing. So Ashley, Facebook, of course, more news, Facebook, Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) This does seem to be the year that Facebook is changing everything. Every week we get a new article about new updates and changes to come. So today we're talking about um, a recent change that they've made to how they're ranking post comments. Um, So this will only affect public uh, pages or posts um, that this will mostly affect those that commonly get like a lot of comments, hundreds of comments, then they have to choose um, how to rank the best ones. So um, just kind of quickly some factors um, and the new ranking system. The biggest one being integrity signals. So no more engagement clickbait. So if you, um, if you are a business is you know what I mean when they're like tag a friend who you would like share this product Mm. with and all the comments is just tagging a single person. Um, You know, they will push those comments to the bottom and highlight the ones that are more authentic or they actually have something to say about the product or it's a review or, you know, things like that. Something with more um, context. Interesting. Interesting. So is that clickbait engagement? Um, is that just for the text of the post that you're posting or could it also be in the comments? Like if you're as a business are commenting like in the comments. Um, so right now they're focusing on the comments. Okay. So mm-hmm. that would be a business posting in the comments, yes. tag a friend. Um, also as the poster there or the people who are posting the initial content, you have the ability to actually turn off this ranking system, which is um, the first that I've heard of something like that. Anytime it comes to like Facebook or Instagram algorithms. Um, So that should be interesting. Wow. You can turn off that ranking. So will you do that in like your page settings? Oh, I'm sure it's buried in there. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. They do not want you to turn that off, but they're giving you the ability to make it look nice. (laughs) Uh, interesting. So we'll continue to dive into that and how it's affecting marketers in the weeks to come. And Alex, this topic is very interesting, just I think internationally, globally. Facebook is launching its own cryptocurrency. So why, what the heck is that and why is it important? All right, man. So, so there is a ton that uh, we can unpack here. And honestly, it could almost have its own podcast episode devoted to it. Um, there's so much to kind of understand, especially if you don't have any familiarity with cryptocurrencies, why you do them, blockchain, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I'm going to do my best to kind of... Uh, explain this in the most simple terms. Cliff Notes version. Yeah. So so Facebook has, has created their own cryptocurrency. Um, and what the purpose of it is, is to be basically be able to send money peer-to-peer or peer-to like a business. Um, but why would they want to do that if there are already so many um, uh, different payment methods, um, you know, existing credit companies that you can do this through? The reason is, is that especially with international transactions, there is a very large fee um, to get a payment processed. The idea of the Facebook cryptocurrency, which is called Libra, um, is that it, the cost will be much, much lower of the like the, the processing fee. Um, and it will be it is it is basic. It is like associated with existing currencies. Um, so it is a very stable, uh, quote unquote, coin. So why would Facebook want to have um, their own cryptocurrency um, that is a stable, quote unquote, a stable coin? Um, The reason for that is because other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum, which are kind of like the bigger players in the market, is that they can fluctuate quite a bit. 
Um, and the idea of this is that the, the Libra coin um, has a very like stable price. And the way that you acquire it is you basically, um, you will go to portals where you like, you basically, you exchange your dollar or whatever currency you have, and you get like this digital currency in exchange. Um, now this is not something that is entirely controlled by Facebook, which is really cool. Um, they actually made um, a separate organization called the Libra Association, and the companies that are involved in it each get like a vote um, to make this more fair. So it's not people don't see this as like a Facebook monopoly, um, and they're you know just doing it to try and control another thing. Um, there are a lot of companies that are involved in this Libra Association. So there are a lot of um, current payment processing companies that are involved in it. So like MasterCard is involved, Visa is involved, Stripe is involved, um, just some other companies that you've probably heard of, uh, Spotify, um, Uber is involved, Coinbase, PayPal. Like they, these are all companies that are buying into, um, uh, into this Libra coin. So they are gonna be pushing this hard and I would not be surprised to see this actually um, become a mainstream, kind of the first cryptocurrency to truly become mainstream because the, the problem, like, like I was saying earlier, you can send money to other people with other cryptocurrencies, but they're kind of like, if you know about them, you use them. Facebook is the one platform that everybody knows of. So if they're going to push something like this, there's, I think there's going to be a lot higher chance of adoption of something like this. Yeah, so, yeah, I still just find this topic so much that I don't understand or even know right. about it. So, would this be, say, make it easier for, like, international travelers, like, when they're traveling? Okay, so everybody accepts this Libra cryptocurrency, and it makes it super easy to pay if I'm using Uber, or if I'm using Spotify, or, you know, whatever it might be, whatever service you're using at that time. Exactly. You're not going to have to worry about international exchange fees um, or like some, some credit cards have like an international processing fee. You're not going to have that. The other idea of it being that you get the, you get your coin instantly. Like the second that it's sent, the next person has it. It doesn't have to go through an intermediary processing like a MasterCard or a Visa okay. where they also kind of cut their processing fee. You know, they take a part of the transaction um, and so people can have their money instantly. Wow. So many questions. And I think you're right. We're going to have to do a um, podcast just episode just devoted to this alone because there are so many questions that I have on it. So I'm sure that other people do, too. TechCrunch Tech put out a phenomenal article um, that I think does a really good job of, of, of kind of paring it down to uh, what it is, why they're doing it and why it's going to be important. So if you we'll want to read more about it. for sure post that in the show notes so people can dig more into that as well as start to keep our eye out maybe for a financial expert to come in and talk about that on the podcast because, you know, whereas it may not be marketing related, it is something that, um, you know, like you said, if Facebook is kind of doing this, but they're not having a monopoly on it, it's still something that we need to be aware of and sit up and take notice. So our final news for this week is Google has officially said that images with alt text can be ranked. So to clarify, the alt text is what you put on an image when you upload it. So not only should the title of the image be something relatable to what the image is and what you want to rank for, and you can also put in an image when you upload it a little more description. So if maybe, you know, someone you know, has trouble reading what the image is about or the image it doesn't load, that can also show up and that also the alt text can show up too. But now Google has said, yes, that we do rank that as a ranking factor, that alt text, and that can be included in search results. So just another way that our image-based society is just going a bit further, ranking our images. So leading into that today, perfect, uh, lead way into our guest interview with Gino from Pixlr Interactive Group. Gino is a website developer and I'm sure he knows all about ranking images and so forth. Welcome Gino. We introduced you a little bit earlier, but why don't you give us a little bit more insight into what you do, how long you've been doing it, and then we'll pick your developer brain to answer some questions that we get frequently asked by clients and potential clients. Well, thank you. It's um, great to be here. 
Um, uh, my name is Gina Whitaker, um, principal at uh, Pixlr Interactive Group. We're a uh, a group of dislocated developers. Um, that means basically we don't we don't have a. Um, hold on a second. I have to do that over because Steve is slacking me. Other part of your group there. <laughs> right. Okay. So we're a. Um, we're we're a disparate group of developers um, without a central office location. Um, basically, we have we have satellite setups um, in different places around the country and around the world. Um, there's two of us who are the main principals in this: myself and Steve Tolan. And um, our main core business model is uh, we sort of act as a as a, as a branch for other companies, people who don't have their own interactive group or, or not a very flushed out interactive group in their own business. Um, we sort of act as a, like a, a satellite division for them. How Most of our clients are uh, graphic designers, um, but we do a lot of work with um, agencies, advertising, advertising agencies that don't have um, a fully developed staff or their staff is busy on other projects. Um, and then we do some work directly with some some businesses, but most of our most of our focus is helping other businesses um, be more robust without having to hire people internally. How long have you been doing website development? Um, well, we started in the early to mid '90s when it first started off. We um, sort of fell into it because we were doing CD-ROM development, CD-ROM game development and presentations. Um, and then a friend of ours who um, runs one of those little travel guide magazines that you get at the airport. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Had heard about the internet and wanted to have a website built. So we said, of course, a website for you. <laughs> and then we had to quickly learn how to do websites. And... Um, that was actually a very large site, and it funded us enough to make us um, be able to continue on. We had rented an office space, and you know we were paying the paying the rent out of our own pockets. But this is the first time we actually made money to pay for it by doing the business. And eventually, um, we left our our full time jobs to do this as a full time business, and then. And then the company that I worked for previously saw what we were doing and purchased our company and brought us back in, um, which was kind of kind of funny. And then that went on for about five or six years, and then we branched off, and um, they decided to stop doing it. It was a typography studio, and we decided to uh, part ways. And then in between the time of when Pixlr reformed, um, Steve and I both had taken different jobs doing the similar things at different companies. Gaining more experience, um, keeping up with the industry trends, and then um, a couple years ago, or about three years ago, I started doing it on my own and realized that it was too much work for me to do it by myself. So I started to bring in other people. We've got um, we have developers, uh, front end developers, back end developers. We have uh, graphic designers. We have copywriters. We just pull in teams for projects depending on what is needed. And that's all come from just like over the last 20 some years of making contacts with people in the industry that I've um, become friends with and um, people that I trust and, and know that they do good work. Definitely. Wow. Since since the 90s, that's a lot, lot of change that you have seen happen. And as I mentioned before, Gino is our 21 Handshake web dev partner. And we work really closely with him and his team on all of our clients' websites. And they are actually our go-to guys. And we can't say enough about how nice they are. Seriously, these are such great guys. So as well, a marketing agency... <laughs> I was going to say the same thing about 21 Handshake that um, you guys are probably the most um, most fun to work with of all of our other clients. 
Oh, yeah, we like to hear that. That's nice. Thanks. We are feeling the love this morning here around the podcast table. (laughs) So as a marketing agency, we get a lot of questions regarding website development or web dev, as we say. And we thought we would bring Gino on today to do a frequently asked questions because if our clients have these questions, I'm sure other people have them too. So starting off, I think first question that we might get asked all the time and this kind of the elephant in the room but the question is do I really need a website developer (laughs) (laughs) and that's a good question too with a lot of um website platforms that have like templates everyone thinks that they can easily create a website themselves um Right. Yeah. So let's kind of delve into Gino. How would you answer that about if you need a website developer and then what the difference is between a custom site, a WordPress site and a self-hosted site? Okay. Well, the question is, do I need a web developer? It's sort of the, you kind of have to ask yourself like how much of my business is going to be reliant upon the website. I mean, if you're someone who um, just wants to throw up sort of like a, a like a placard and say, hey, I'm in business and here's my contact information, then, you know, maybe you can get by with, you know, a Wix site or a Weebly or whatever, you know, um, online website builders you want to use. Um, there's a lot of stuff to know. There's a lot of stuff that they take care of, but there are also some some caveats to to take into consideration. For instance, with a Weebly site, um, you don't actually own your site. So if you decide that you want to go somewhere else, like say, okay, I'm ready to move up and start adding um, more capabilities to my site, or I want to be able to make edits and add more functionality to it myself, um, you're going to have to start over. Um, and that really means um, then you probably do need a web developer or at least someone to, as a consultant to help you get through all of the minefields of what it takes. You know, there's domain name registration, there's hosting, there's um, picking the platform you're going to use, there's the design, the development, the upkeep. Um, There's just all kinds of stuff involved in it. Right. So So, a uh, Weebly, a Wix, or say like a Squarespace site, which are all pretty self-hosted sites, those you're saying, so if you're yep. ready to take those sites to the next level, you couldn't just transfer that design, that content that easily. It's going to be pretty difficult. Well, it just means kind of starting over. And in most cases, those sites aren't really all that deep. And you're pretty much picking from some pre-made templates. So your site's not going to look all that unique. Um Which like, you know, like I mentioned before, it depends on like how much investment you want to put into it. If you don't care that your site just looks like a site, then, you know, you can get away with those. Right. Um, Right. So then what's that compared to like a WordPress then? Yeah. Well, the next step then is to use. um, So if if you want to be able to have some sort of control over your content and make edits yourself and, you know, just periodically bring in a developer to, to help you keep things up to date, then using a ton- content management system such as WordPress or, or Drupal or Joomla or, you know, there's a ton of them out there now. WordPress is the, the king of the hill at the moment. Um, then, yeah, you, you, there, are, there are different levels of that as well. I mean, you can start off with a hosting plan and get a WordPress site and there's templates built in and you can just kind of go with that. Um, but you know, taking it to that to that level of actually getting it seen by people and and you know having the marketing and the search engine optimization and all that all click the way it's supposed to, then you need to start talking to some people who know what they're doing. Yep. So, Gino, I know a lot of the the projects that we do with you with our clients, um, we do a lot of WordPress sites. Why uh, is that the one that? Uh, we as a team kind of tend to lean towards? Well, um, number one, it's it's the the largest platform for development out there right now. I think they've got like a 70% market share of the of the websites you see online. Holy moly. Um, yeah, that's part, a large number. Yeah. Wow. Partly because it's really easy to to get into and it's also 
um, pretty easy to extend it beyond just a, a simple blog. So when WordPress first started, it was a blog platform. It was a place you could go up and you know post your daily musings or whatever. But then they started developing it more, and they saw the potential to have it as a full website development platform. And then with the addition of some e-commerce plugins that extend it even beyond that, um, and the customization uh, abilities that you can go in, when, when you set up a WordPress site, you can set up a child theme and then basically start doing some custom backend coding to make it do whatever you want it to do. So um, you can build an e-commerce site pretty quickly. Um, there's a lot of customers that like, let me back up a little bit. We built a website for a, um, a sports uniform custom manufacturer a couple years ago. And we used WordPress. And the platform for the e-commerce was called WooCommerce, which is the, the number one uh, plugin for WordPress for that. But WooCommerce is basically, you know, kind of out of the box. Here's a store. You can add sizes and colors and things like that. Um, but we had to build something that was more um, like ch choose custom colors and custom patterns and build your own uniforms kind of a thing. Um, we had to build some custom plugins to make that happen, but it all tied in really nicely with WooCommerce and WordPress. And um, the documentation behind all of it makes it pretty easy to figure out how to make things work the way you want them to work. So, so it kind of, and also the fact that WordPress is free, the the, the platform itself is free, so, so it, it's, it, it makes it attractive. It kind of hits that nice sweet spot of having the customizability, but it's not an overly complex platform, um, so it it's not going to take as much time probably as something that's entirely custom, and is mm -hmm. probably kind of hits the nice sweet spot of of being customizable but affordable. Oh, definitely, it it takes care of a lot of the um, the sort of the the groundwork that you do when you're doing an HTML5 site. Um, or or a PHP site or an ASP site or any other kind of a platform that's not a, a content management system, you've got to build in your, you know, usually using Bootstrap or some other um, framework to set up your column structures, your menu systems, um, you know, commonly used items that get used on other pages without having to recode them every single time. Um, WordPress uh, or, or any other content management system takes care of all that stuff because it's pre-built into it, which saves a lot of the, the groundwork time when you're first setting up a site. Right. And I think that's where people kind of don't understand that difference, that WordPress is that content management system that allows you to easily take, say, a template or something you know, provided by WordPress and then customize that to what you need, like you just mentioned about the sports manufacturing um, uniform company. Right. It it makes it so that you can, as as the end user, can just focus on the content without having to worry about, you know, now I got to update the menus on this new page I did. I have to I have to add this new menu item to every single page. It takes care of it, you know, all up front. So it saves, it saves us a lot of time to focus on more of like getting the design the way that the client wants it to look and making it so it's easy for them to make updates themselves when, they, when they're ready to go. Right. I think that's what people too often forget. Like you got to make updates to it once you publish that site. And to do that easily, would you say that WordPress is probably your best option to, to be able to make those uh, edits on a more customizable site? Yeah, WordPress is by far the easiest to work with. Um, I'd mentioned Drupal earlier. Drupal is more robust, but it is, um, you almost have to be a developer to use the content management system inside of Drupal because it's so complex. And it's, uh, um, it's made to be more expandable. And, and by that, I mean, you can, you can create more customization functionality within Drupal if you're a backend developer. But for like, you know, everyday business users, um, WordPress is by far easier to use and it's got a nicer, cleaner interface. It's more user friendly. Right. So I would say probably, a, I don't know, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you're like a super big corporation, think some of the big corporations in the world, 
I don't know, <laughs> name one. None's coming to mind. Johnson Meyer. and Johnson or something. Meyer. You might have maybe a more like Drupal customizable site because you have maybe that web website team in-house. But most mid-sized businesses, businesses that even we work with as clients, don't have that website team in-house. And so really having one of those sites is really kind of cost prohibitive. Mm-hmm. Right. So art, so do you think, okay, so trying how to phrase this one that we get asked, a lot of people wonder, you know, okay, so you're WordPress, so are you using a template? I think that's a question um, some, that we get asked a lot. Sometimes we do, but not most of the time. Most of the time we're using another framework inside of WordPress. Um, there, oh, sorry. <laughs> He's no a worries. busy guy, guys. <laughs> um, so the um, use use we can we use templates in some instances. M- many times we use um, a framework on top of Divi, which allows us to do layouts um, beyond what what WordPress has, uh, or or just like a regular template has, because they're kind of limiting. So there are three or four different um, frameworks that that we use. There's WP Bakery. There's uh, Oxygen. There's Divi. There's a new one that just came out called uh, Brizzy that we have been experimenting with. But basically what these things do is they give you um, extended capabilities to do some really custom layouts that go beyond just like a cookie cutter template. And working with a lot of graphic design agencies, you know, they never want to stay within the box. That's what <laughs> that's what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. So things that... Um, Go beyond what's what's just like normal, like you'd see in a newspaper. If you want to have something like called a violator, which is a, a graphic or a text element that, that encroaches upon another column or another area of the page, that's something that you have to do with, with um, CSS or cascading style sheets unless you're going to use some sort of a interface. So what's happening is you're sort of seeing this, this melding of um, design tools and coding tools all sort of coming together within this WordPress world that's that's um built with layers of different technologies all combined into a single area to work with that's a lot going on there (laughs) (laughs) so what are your thoughts about plugins i know wordpress is huge for plugins you can find basically anything you want and plug it into your site um what do you recommend do you like them not like them and also maybe it might help our audience with the definition of what a plugin oh yeah yeah if you could give us that too (laughs) so a plugin is a it's like a a snippet of code or or a large snippet of code that um extends the functionality of of wordpress so wordpress at its core is basically here's here are things you can read and images you can look at but let's say you want to have a a very complex um uh, contact form or something for like uh, job a job board or something like that. Then you have to have something that's a little bit more than what WordPress offers on its own. So yeah, there's a huge huge um, developer community and a huge Word uh, WordPress plugin um, repository that you can go online right through WordPress and look for plugins. Um, we we use plugins all the time. They're necess- they're a necessity. But you got to be kind of cautious about which ones you're using and do some research because um, at this point in time right now, we've got a, a lot of security issues with WordPress because it's the number one development platform. Um, it's also the biggest target. Just like mm-hmm. Windows was the biggest target for um, the malware, you're starting to see a lot of that with WordPress. So um there are places you can go online to check for plugins, just you know, Google plugin um vulnerabilities and then you can see if the plugin that you're interested in using is on that list and there uh, even if you're not using any other plugins you should get some kind of security software to go along with it like um security or you know there's three or four word fences is the one that we use the most but there's three or four options and they're Right. Kind of complex to you, set up because you're setting up firewalls, you're setting up um, IP whitelisting and all this other kind of stuff that basically keeps your site open for the people you want to keep it open and keep the people out that you don't want in there. Definitely. And I think um, two notes there. 
plugins, sometimes they won't be compatible with your particular site. So that's something always to look because you don't want to install a plugin and then for your site to kind of break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I know I've ran into but that the other, before. The other thing is also, <laughs> you, have to keep, you have to keep an eye on the plugins because WordPress updates frequently because of the security issues. They're always issuing um, minor updates and then like every six to nine months they do a major update. Um, and you got to make sure that your plugins stay in line with WordPress and the PHP versions because eventually um, you're gonna you're gonna run into a plugin that you've used that is no longer being developed and it's gonna it's gonna um, no longer be compatible. So you have to make sure that you've got a, a backup plan or what you, what you're gonna do in case that is no longer gonna work. Definitely solid advice there. Yeah. And then on the note of security. Usually, I mean, and I know we recommend to our clients, you know, when that hosting platform you go with offers the additional security at this day and age, take it. You know, yeah. it's not that much more expensive usually, and it's going to offer you another layer to catch those uh, attackers that might be after your site or just any site or whatever. It's a lot less expensive than rebuilding the site because it's been completely compromised. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so talking about building a site. Yeah, so probably the most often question we hear, but also you, is how long does it take to build my website? Well, that is a <laughs> very open-ended question. Yeah, it is. It on <laughs> what you need, how much content you've got, what, what you plan to do with the site. So... On average, you could build a simple site, you know, just if it's if it's like some contact information and maybe some blog posts um, from a template. You could do that in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, if you've got a fully flushed out e-commerce store with um, blog blogging that you do on a constant basis and, you know, multiple blogs and um, video blogs um, that could take, you know, up to a year for development. It kind of depends on how much you're, you're, how much content you're going to be dealing with, and um, how much of a custom design you want, and um, how much you know, how much user interface testing you want to do. I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's so, it's so, so widespread. So there's not really yeah. an answer for that. Yeah, but think, just like yeah. a website, you could do, you know, on average, probably three to four weeks. Yep, and we've definitely done that before with some of our clients who have wanted more simple design, but then we've done some others that just by the nature of, like you said, if the client has a bigger website or if they perhaps have a lot of changes mm -hmm. or, you know, any of that stuff, it could, you know, you know, three, four, five become, months. Yeah, yeah, quickly become a longer timeline depending on a few of those factors. Exactly. Yeah, but I, I would say 30% of the websites that we work on are probably go to the nine to 12 month time frame because there's there's so much content and so many people involved, so many layers of, of um, corporate structure to go through, you know, IT departments and marketing departments and human resources departments and everyone's got to like see it and approve it before it moves on to the next stage. Um, things with e-commerce, you, there are some things that you've got to tie in with banks, you've got to do your tax structures, there's, you know, just, it's like anything else. Like, how long does it take to build a house? Well, it depends. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> so another common question we get along with building that website is, is this website SEO friendly? And I know, again, that's a very broad question because SEO is a huge um, part of marketing. But just a website itself, what takes that to be just SEO friendly? Well, there are a lot of factors involved in that part of it is the semantic markup structure, which is how you actually code the site. Um, when you're using WordPress, a lot of that is built into it. Um, but there is some key things that you have to keep in mind while you're actually doing your content. Like, you know, what level of headline, uh, priority you're going to give it, you know, there's H one through H six tags. Um, you know, depending on how important it is on the page, you've got to um, give it different tagging. Um, there are also plugins that help with the SEO. There's Yoast, which is a commonly used one that gives you hints about how to make your page better um, for search engines. Um, there are 
and there are more com uh, higher cost options for all these plugins that help you with search engine optimization. You can also hire a, a search engine optimization company to really come in and help you fine tune it depending on you know how much you're trying to um, make Google bend your will. But I can tell you right now that Google has their own proprietary methods and algorithms for ranking your site. And part of it's dependent upon the location of the person looking it up. Part of it is um, the actual content you're writing, like what, what, your, um, what your words actually say, because Google scans that to find out, you know, like what's really relevant in a search. Um, there are some things that help with the display of how it shows up on, the, on Google's search return page. Um, but you can probably get by with, you know, some uh, consulting and uh, a Yoast plugin for WordPress to help you get better rankings. But yeah. that's another one open-ended questions too, because you know what, you know, I want better uh, ranking on Google, but you know, what are your search terms that you want to to have, and are you sure that that's what people are searching for when they're searching for you? Um, so that's the kind of thing you kind of have to like it sort of evolves over time. You start off with one idea and you might find that six months later that, oh, you know what, this is what we really need and we make adjustments for that. Yeah, and I think though, you know, like people, they think about, okay, the content that matters, the keywords that matters, but they kind of forget about that like schema markup and all that stuff that you don't necessarily see on the back. You, you know, like a normal person um, might not see all that or understand how that all works, but... Google understands that. Google thinks that matters. <laughs> so yeah. that's a huge part. That's where you guys come in for a lot of this too, like with, um, you know, constantly refreshing content and keeping things new and um, interesting. Um, that's sort of like, that's the part where we sort of like hand off and, <laughs> and you know, that's where you guys kind of like start to take over and, and make things work on a, on a marketing level more than, than what we do. And if any of our listeners are interested in learning more about SEO, we have several podcast episodes on them yes. that we will link in the show notes. Definitely, definitely, <laughs> including, yeah, our last uh, interview with Justin from yeah. Local. Yeah. So, yeah. So let me toss out a nice, another nice open-ended question for you, Gino. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about hosting, um, what is preferred, uh, what sort of trends you're seeing in, in what's going on right now. And, and um, I guess what is hosting? All right. Well, hosting there's 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 a couple things. There's domain name registration, which is um, related to hosting, but it's not directly tied into it. And then there's hosting. Hosting is the physical place we actually have your website sitting. It's a it's a web server. Generally, it's a shared server, which means your website is on a large server with you know twenty to thirty other websites. And depending on how much traffic is uh, accumulated between all of them, you might need to have a, a higher level. There's different levels of hosting that you can get through almost any web host. Um, there are web web hosts that I avoid, like the plague, and I don't know if I should mention them by name, but I mean, I really don't like using GoDaddy. They are um, the type of company that sort of like promises things and then like when you find out when you have to really get what you need they keep nickel and diming you all the way through the process um they have a lot of security issues even though they they advertise themselves as being top security if you really want the secure stuff then there's another level of payment you're making gotcha. um, i out of all the hosts that i've used i tried not i try to not recommend godaddy um i recommend a lot of other hosting uh, services. Um, we've been using SiteGround for the last couple of years. It's been pretty good. Um, if you want a more managed WordPress solution, like someone to be like, take care of your updates and all that without having to have like a, a third party, then WP Engine is pretty good. They're pricey, but they're pretty good. Um, Bluehost is okay. Um, the each Each web host has its own advantages and disadvantages and it kind of depends upon the level of expertise that you've got or the people that you're working with have um, right yeah i've kind of ran into bluehost can be a little 
slow sometimes but we're with you on the wp engine and site ground those are the ones that if you have a wordpress site that we recommend as well yeah any of those any of those hosting plans um they usually have a sliding um level of of uh, like storage space and memory usage um so if you are finding yourself with your site running slow or you keep getting warnings then you'd upgrade to the next level and then things usually uh, even out pretty well. And the cost of hosting is almost the same across the board. If you find a web hosting company that's like $3 a month, you're going to get what you pay for. Um, exactly. Yeah, I would not recommend that. Run out of space, you're not going to have any support. Um, if things go down, it's your issue, not theirs. Um, <laughs> average hosting cost is about 100 to $200 a year. Yeah. Um, but definitely. with a large corporate site, you know, it could, it could be like $500 a month, depending on what you're using for. Right. right. The more robust, the larger it gets, I would go with a better hosting plan. So, yeah, Ashley, what was up our next question? All right, Gina. So a common situation in our world, this happens all the time. We get clients who come to us and they're like, our, uh, like a friend built my website years ago and it needs serious updating. Um, do you recommend... Would you recommend building it from scratch or just modifying the homepage? Um, I almost always want to start over from scratch, um, even if you want to keep the same look and feel, because most likely the reason that you're coming to us for this is because um, it's gotten out of date. And right. what that means then, if we're going to try to fix what's there, and we've got to do a lot of reverse engineering and try to figure out what they did and how they accomplished this. If they used custom fields, which was the big thing, you know, three or four, five years ago, but now it's not in use as much, but it can really throw a lot of wrenches into the works. Um, it's, it's almost faster and better to start from scratch with a, with a, a new platform entirely. Right. And I agree. I think um, to piggyback off of that question, when you're starting from scratch to build a website, um, is it better to know maybe like um, if I want additional functionality later, um, how, how do you, what information do you need when you are building that website from scratch to make it, you know, um, kind of grow with you, yeah, you know, that, so say yeah. down the line, you want an employee portal to log into, or maybe down the line, you know, you're going to open a storefront online. Um, do you need to know that up front so you can kind of have that in the back of your mind when building the website that it's going to expand? Yeah, it's, it's nice to know that up front, but most of the time people don't know. They don't know what they're going to end up with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or it might, it might like um, explode in different ways that they didn't expect. And they're like, oh, well. You know, can we add the store? We just did this with this, um, a pontoon site, a, a pontoon boat site, where, you know, it's it's basically here are all of our models, here are all the technical specs, and, you know, here's a blog post. And then six months after we developed them, they came in and said, hey, we want to start selling T-shirts and hats. And, you know, no problem. You know, we, we used WordPress to build it. We've got... Uh, some plugins we have to add to it and we're going to import some databases and start setting up some tech structures. But yeah, um, if we'd known that up front, we maybe would have changed the way that we did some of the layouts just to make it a little bit more compatible for um, adding more items or having a store mm -hmm. um, link on in the menu items because now we've got to do some restructuring. But it, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. It just means a little bit more work when we're doing it. Yeah, and it, and if the client knows down the line that that's what they want to do, it might end up saving them some money, um, time, just yeah, laying it all on the line. Don't so, it up front. No, but I think that's why you know again you work with a professional website developer throughout your website process is because when you are ready to add that additional functionality, they know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're talking about uh, sites that can kind of grow with you, I like that that line, Sarah. Yeah. Um, Gino, do you guys, when you guys are building a website, do you guys provide content uh, or graphic design or, or images or stuff like that? Um, we we do. It's it's not it's not part of our core, but like I said earlier, we have we have a stable of um, graphic designers. Um, we have uh, writers that we work with. Um, 
So depending on, on what's needed, we can throw together a team for a project that has a full range of services. Um, I'm not sure if that's uh, how that compares with other web development companies because we're sort of unique that we have um, people from, like I said, around the world. We've got we've got a backend developer in Poland who's, you know, one of the top people I've ever worked with, and um, you know, we call him in on maybe thirty percent of our projects. Yeah, and in he's, some a, case, he's a smart guy. <laughs> we've we've used him before for some difficult projects. <laughs> You know, if, if you need someone who, who needs to be a copywriter, then, you know, we've got three or four copywriter, copywriters that we work with, um, uh, translators for different languages. There are services that we use, and there are some people for specific languages that we that we tap into. Um, for instance, we worked on the, uh, the website for the new mayor of Chicago, and after we built the site, it, they decided that they should probably be multilingual, so we had to come back in and add a uh, plug-in and, and translation services, and, and uh, multi-languages is not just as easy as dropping in a plug-in. The, the plug-in just basically makes it so you can have um, blocks of copy that have different versions of it that get called up depending on where you're located or what your browser settings are. Um, but it's it's something that almost anything you want to do and add on to it, it can be done, and the kind of people that you work with, you pick and choose them based on the project. Right, and I think that's why, you know, I really appreciate working with you and your team because you are experts in the website development part of it. And that allows our team to come in and work directly with the client for content and images and all that more stuff you see on the front end. Um, but again, you guys know the back end, you know, there's some stuff, you know, that we may, you know, okay, you, change some things on the back end or tweak some things, but nowhere near what you guys are doing and knowledgeable of fixing that stuff that we don't see. <laughs> so well, I know we really appreciate your guys' expertise in that. So this is another question we get. And um, after a website is built, what kind of support do you guys provide? What kind of training? Is there training involved? If something breaks, if I need something changed, uh, you know, a page changed or a page updated, what kind of support is involved usually from website developers? Um, there's a couple different um, things that are normally uh, offered, um, like an ongoing maintenance contract that um, basically we, we would charge like a monthly fee and we'd come in every couple weeks and check on the updates for plugins the version of WordPress, make sure everything is still running, make sure the backups are, are all running properly. Um, and then for like the training for how to use it, um, we almost always recommend some training after the site is built to show the person how to use it. Usually done with a um, like a video screen share so that you can walk someone through the back end and show them all the different options of how it's built and then sort of drill down to the day-to-day -day maintenance or updates that they're going to do on their own. And many times we will do that, record that, and also provide them with some write-up if they want, like a, like a cheat sheet, basically, of, you know, how do I, how do I do this? What are my passwords? How do I change things? Um, with, a, with a bigger client, we usually end up doing video tutorials for each individual little um, type of change you want to make. You know, if you want to make updates, here's how you do this. Here's a short three-minute video and put together a whole series of documentation. Um, if it gets to that point where they want to have it really well-documented and, um, you know, and basically that's that's kind of the end of our relationship unless there's an issue, then, then we do that for them as well. Yeah, I always think, you know, even with all the screencast, all the directions, mm -hmm. there's always something that comes up that you're, you know, as you know, a client or maybe even someone who has done their own kind of websites, there's always something that you come across and you're like, I, I don't know how to do that or I don't remember how to do that or I can't find it in the document that you sent me. Mm -hmm. So I always recommend our clients and we definitely, I think around this table, always recommend doing that ongoing contract because yeah. there's always going to come something that pops up. Yeah. Yeah. That I, happens frequently yes definitely and i think this this episode this podcast episode is a great topic um 
one, it, it lets like our clients or anyone in the future who's looking to build a website understand the back end. But as you can probably tell, it's super intense, very technical. There's a lot of room for error. Um, I think it's important to know uh, what goes into it, but also uh, quiz your next website developer. Make sure that they understand this as well. Work with a professional website developer. Yes. Don't try and create, you know, um, this custom website for your business alone. Um, it'll take you a lot longer and add a lot of stress. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe hiring the lowest offer off of Fiverr is probably not, not the best ideal. way to go. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Gino, we thank you so much for, um, talking with us today and explaining a little bit more about what your team does and you know how you even work with us to get clients websites done if anybody had any additional questions for you where might they find you um they can go to our website pixler.com p-i-x-e-l-e-r.com um it's <laughs> um just like the cobbler Family has no shoes. Our website has sort of been in development since we started, <laughs> but it's got our information on there. And that's always one of our things. Like, let's get our website up and running. Like every time we get started on it, we get um, inundated with work. So our site suffers because of um, the amount of service that we want to give to our clients. So why well, that's um, why you're our preferred people. And I'm sure that's been a little hindrance as well. We're like, uh, you start to work on your website and we're like, Hey, we have five projects for you. <laughs> we actually, we actually had, um, this is funny. We had, uh, I'd done some work for a client and the cost went way over what they expected. So, um, we did it in, in a trade instead of payment, we had them develop our identity and design a website for us. Um, and we haven't actually implemented their designs yet. We, we use the, the, the logos and all that, but um, we've got a website design that is waiting for us to implement and we just haven't had the time to do it. It's like the builder who have, it says he'll get to build there. his own house. <laughs> Anyways, so. well, yeah, definitely. So we will link your website in our show notes as well as think we've mentioned it before you can always reach out to us here and Gino and his team are our preferred website developers as well so we can always track them down for you as well so Gino thank you so much for letting us pick your brain today thank you I love working with you guys yeah we love working with you too have a great day you too yep bye did you love this episode Yes, that's a big hint. Yes, you did. Then please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. It really helps get the word out about our show. 